Hear now the word of the Lord from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 18. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. For the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death we might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now reading from Isaiah 63, 7-9. I will tell of the kindness of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us, yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindness. He said, Surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Well, how's it going with your New Year's resolutions? <laughs> so far, so good? All right, all right. It's, it's, uh, it's good. For us. Some of us maybe are looking for uh, grace at this time, uh, even this early in the year, uh, with our New Year's, New Year's resolutions. Some of us have uh, probably come to the conclusion that uh, we're not going to make any New Year's resolutions. Uh, and... One thing about New Year's resolutions uh, is that, well, first of all, they're, they're kind of famous for being broken, right? That's kind of part of the process. Uh, I don't, you know, there's not a lot of publicity for those New Year's resolutions that stick and make lifelong change. Most New Year's resolutions are like, okay, this is a time in the middle of the, of the winter. It's a, it's a new year. It's a new day. Think about those things that we want to change, and, and we make a a decision of the will to, to do something different. And uh, some changes in our lives happen through that way. But even if we don't truly make that change as envisioned, anything in a positive, more healthy direction is a good thing. One of the more rare resolutions, I would imagine, would be 
to have a New Year's resolution to be carried. To be carried. You know, this might come from just the, the fact that, you know, as most of us being adults uh, here, and, be, and many of us having the kind of the American independence kind of built into us and nurtured in us from a very early age, um, the idea of the dependence that comes with being carried by anyone is not necessarily something that we aspire to. We don't often place high value on our receiving help from others because of our need. But as we reflect on the gift of Jesus Christ as a Savior who came to those who needed to be saved, we might do well to consider a resolution to be carried to take a step in the direction of dependence on God and maybe turn away a bit from the myth of independence that has nurtured our minds for so long. Years ago, U2, the band, sang the song titled, One. And in this song, we hear this line, we're one, but we're not the same. We get to carry each other, carry each other. I think that sentiment goes well when people gather in a church. God places us here in this place so that we can, according to the Apostle Paul in Galatians, bear one another's burdens. But that takes more than just each one of us having a kind of a a heroic desire to save other people. If we all just stay on that wavelength, we're not bearing each other's burdens because we never allow others close enough to bear our burdens. We never even reveal that we have a burden. And so we're going to explore in this sermon, what it means, or what it might mean, to be carried. It's not so much about what we do, but about what God does for us. That is the message of the gospel. That is the message of Christmas, the birth of a Savior. That is the message of the prophet Isaiah to God's people who are in exile utterly hopeless on their own. But in the realm of resolutions, amazingly, it still requires an act of our will to allow ourselves to be carried, to allow a Savior to save us, to allow the one who came to be God with us to help us In our scripture text today, we learn about the one who carries us. The prophet Isaiah, and we've been following Isaiah throughout Advent and now into the Christmas season, these prophetic texts that that have been so powerful in the Christian tradition to helping us understand the mission and the ministry and the person of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
In our text today, Isaiah speaks of all the gracious deeds, all that the Lord has done. And it culminates in this line in verse 9 of chapter 63. In his love and pity, it was he who redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. God's people have been carried all along. You cannot read the scriptures without seeing a people who God carries along on their journey. Remember when God's people were enslaved in Egypt? Who got them out? Their great ingenuity, their great cleverness. It was God that did it. Now there was a resolve. There were resolutions, right, among some particular people who God called where they had to say yes to God's work of saving. Think about Moses. He wanted to say no. But he said yes. But it wasn't Moses who saved them. It was God. God lifted them up and carried them out. And this is the way of walking with God. This is what it means to be the people of God. We are the people who God carries. And these words come from Isaiah to people who have been restored from exile. It was God who did it. That's really one of Isaiah's core messages. It is God who brings you home. God's been carrying you all along and will carry you into the future. What it means to be carried is to understand that God is a merciful God. That God will have patience with us as we struggle as human beings with our humanness, with our finite limitations. God is God, we are not. God is forever, we are not without God's help and intervention. But also our struggle with sin and even our rebellion against God. God sticks with us. And carries us along. Even when we're not really pulling our own weight. Some might say that's our permanent state before God. A holy God. So to be carried means to allow God's mercy to penetrate our defenses. And meet us and bless us right where we are. Isaiah talks about the abundant and steadfast love of God. To be carried means to allow God to love us with that steadfast, abundant love. For those of us who keep on repeating messages to ourselves that have gotten there in a lot of different ways, countless different ways, that we are not worthy of love. To be carried is to allow God's message of love abundant and eternal and steadfast into our hearts and to let that speak to us personally so that then we start looking at other people differently. If I'm loved, despite all of the stuff that makes me feel unlovable, could it possibly be that this person right in front of me is also loved with that same love? 
world-changing. And finally, in relation to this love that Isaiah is talking about, he talks a lot about our belonging. God claiming his people as God's people. They are God's people. This is after the exile. Okay, let's let that sink in. This is after the judgment. This is after the idolatry. This is after, this is after God's people have proven that they can't do it without God. But God welcomes them home and claims them again as they have been God's family all along. Surely they are my people, Isaiah says. And the Hebrew text from the New Testament takes it even deeper. It speaks of belonging. And that belonging is in the form of who Jesus is. That Jesus is God with us. And that we are shown that we belong to God because God came to be one of us as a human being. The Hebrews text talked about that, that the, both the sanctifier and the sanctified have the same father. We are brothers and sisters with Christ. Do you remember the song, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother? There's maybe a little bit of a hint in how to be carried in that song. That was a 1969 hit song by the Hollies. I found out that there's a little-known fact. Next time you hear the Hollies version of that song, know this and listen for it. A session piano musician was playing on that single, a piano player by the name of Elton John. You might have heard of him. Well, anyway, uh, that song, it hit. Some of you were around for that. Well, I, I was around for it. 1969? Yeah. Wasn't very old, but I wasn't very heavy either. Uh, but then the, the next year, Neil Diamond recorded it. Uh, it, the, the, it was originally recorded by uh, an artist named Kelly Gordon. But it was co-written by two songwriters, Bobby Scott and Bob Russell. When Russell was dying of lymphoma, actually. The origins of that song are transparent in the performances of the song. So if you ever feel like tears welling up when you hear that song, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, you should. It's, it's, it's a moment. Well, where did the title come from? He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. It was a well-known phrase by the time these songs were, were recorded in the late 60s, early 70s. And that phrase can be traced back to a Scottish pastor who included it in a story that he told to illustrate one of Jesus' parables. It was published in 1884. The pastor's name was James Wells. He was the moderator of the United Free Church of Scotland. Um, that would be slightly different than the official Church of Scotland that is the forebears of Presbyterian, but we have God's full of mercy, we are full of mercy as well. However, we identify with this uh, Scottish heritage. He tells the story, and this is kind of a way to kind of connect kids in. So any kids in the crowd, my question for you is, have you ever, have you ever tried to pick up 
your brother or sister. Lift them up. Like, even when they were really little, sometimes, like, babies and little infants, they, they aren't very heavy, are they? But as they get older and bigger, they get heavier and heavier, and it gets harder and harder to pick them up. James Wells tells the story of a little girl carrying a big baby boy. This is a, a girl who basically is living on the streets, a street urchin, carrying a baby boy. And seeing her struggling, someone asked if she was tired by carrying around this baby brother all over the place. And with surprise that someone would even ask, she replied, No, he's not heavy. He's my brother. And Wells told this story to illustrate the incarnation, the same purpose that the writer of Hebrews is writing from chapter 2. Often we think of this phrase as we listen to that song, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. We think about immediately as we are the ones who carry our brother and sister. But originally that phrase was meant to help us at least equally understand ourselves as the one being carried, who isn't a burden to the one who is carrying us along. So this leads us into really the crux of the matter, the heart of the matter for us, and that is, how does the incarnation help us? How does the fact that now that we've been through the Christmas celebration, God has come to be with us in human form in Jesus Christ as a Savior, how does that help us and how might it help us in 2023? Well, this issue, this question of how the incarnation of Christ helps us is the central preoccupation of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Verse 14 talks about how Jesus, and how important it is that Jesus shares our flesh and our blood. It's a fundamental article of faith in the Christian faith, that Jesus was not simply an apparition, a spiritual being, that Jesus bled like us, that Jesus was fed like us. And the theme of both of these passages, I don't know if you caught this, but I could have uh, titled this sermon, He's No Angel. I didn't have a really good like, part for that other double meaning with that with Jesus. But, but the topic really is, for both Isaiah and the writer of Hebrews, he is not an angel. Jesus is not an angel. Why is that important? In Isaiah 8b, 9a, he became their savior in all their distress. It was no messenger or angel, but the Lord's presence that saved them. In Hebrews 2, verses 15 and 16, uh, the writer speaks of freeing those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death, for it is clear that he did not come to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham. God became human in Jesus Christ. And that transforms what it means to be human. For you and me. Verse 17 talks about Jesus like his brothers and sisters. He was like his brothers and sisters in every respect. And that was the fundamental thing that was required for him to make atonement for our sins 
according to the tradition of the high priest in the Hebrew religion. He had to be one of us in order to make the sacrifice on the cross. And Hebrews goes into depth. We can't cover all of that here in one sermon. Like his brothers and sisters in every respect. And then verse 18 is the conclusion. Because he himself was tested by what he suffered. His human suffering. The pain that he suffered. The death that he faced and endured. Because he was tested by this, he is able to help those who are being tested. Jesus is able to help. Well, how will he help? What kind of resolutions can we make so that we can be carried by the one who is one of us and who carries us along life's path and indeed carries us to the Father. I have four suggestions for New Year's resolutions. If you haven't completed all your New Year's, New Year's resolutions yet, consider these. The first one is this. Trust God's provision in a life of limitations. One of the things that, uh, I, I don't want to do a show of hands with this one, but it could quite be quite possible that many of us have given up the tradition of making New Year's resolutions years and years ago. And part of that might come with just we have a lot of years of tread on our tires. And one of the things that, that the world doesn't tell us, but sometimes we have to tell one another, and it's really my my duty to tell us from the, the, the foundation of faith in the Christian faith is to remind us of this, is that as we get older and move through life, we continually have less from a physical standpoint. It's not news. We all know this. Along any, every line, you face life with less. There's a natural curve. If you're retired, most likely, right, every single year you have less money. Am I wrong? I mean, unless you, like, win the lottery, go back to work, whatever. The way it is, right, isn't it, what's the, is it the rule of 40, what is it? 4%, it's the 4% rule, right? Some of you are living the 4% rule right now. But the whole thing on that is that it draws down, right? So I'm talking to a lot of folks who every year you have less. What about our physical powers? How does that work? Every year with less. Our mental acuity, all of those things. Now, it's not always that in every phase of life. I'm speaking to a particular phase of life that's well represented in our congregation, in our community. But what it tells us is that we, every year, we have to learn to live with limits. To live with limits. In fact, the anxiety of living with limits is one of the factors that causes us to make decisions to do things in our lives that cause us to need to make New Year's resolutions to stop doing those things. 
Some of us are anxious about living life with limits that we overeat. Some of us drink too much because we're anxious because of the limits. As we learn to live within limits, my encouragement to all of us and myself as well is to look to God to deliver. To look to God to help us find well-being at a different level or to open up a thing that will not be less and less with every year, but actually could grow deeper and greater and more expansive. And that is our eternal life in Jesus Christ, our relationship with God. That's a different story, and it's a different arc. It's a different arc because our eternal life, our life with Christ, if we, the more we spend focused on that, that relationship gets greater and greater and greater And it does not end even when we die. Death is then an entry point to where it's been taking us all along. So trusting in God's provision as we face life with less, that will find us being carried by God. The second one that I'm going to offer you is to courageously open up to Jesus' forgiving power. The power of forgiveness. The truth is, at any given time, for, for any one of us as human beings, is that there is likely some area of our life, even for those of us who have walked with the Lord for years, that we have not come clean to God about. Maybe it's because we are slightly tempted to think that if we actually open our lives to God to do something about this, maybe it's a deep sin that we harbor. Maybe it's something we try to deny. We wonder if God's grace is sufficient for that. When we come to times of praying prayers of confession, we list the things that are safe. The ones that we know we could stand up in front of a church like this and actually say, and say, yeah, I'm not perfect. You know, we're, none of us perfect. But there are those things that we shudder when we think about if we were in a place to share with others about this thing. Whatever that thing might be, allowing God's forgiveness to actually touch that part of us, to actually bring freedom from the fear that is holding on to us because of that. This would be a good year for that, as every new year is a good year, to courageously open up to the forgiving power of Jesus. Every one of us, this invitation comes to. The third one is to open up to helping relationships. This one you might have seen coming a mile away. To be carried. To be not just one who is called to carry others, but one who might allow themselves to be carried themselves. Maybe it's our stubborn streak. We can do this on our own. Maybe it's our thinking that we are unworthy unworthy of the help, unworthy of the time of anyone who would offer help. Maybe we have been burned before and, and we've 
put ourselves out there and not been helped in a time of need. And we wonder. I want to give a special call on this to kind of, you know, in this COVID era, there are moments when, when I feel, when the, the phrase preaching to the choir is, is appropriate. I've done this a couple of times during the last couple of years. And this is, this is one of them. You know, all of the research that's coming out shows that the number of people who are actively participating in a congregation, in a local congregation, in the United States, has dropped significantly because of COVID. People have not yet come back to church. There are a lot of people out there, people who are in relationship with God, who are making decisions to keep themselves away from other Christians. And I think this is the time when we make New Year's resolutions that, that we should question that. Now, the positive side of this is to say, I'm going to spend more time developing relationships with other people because I need them, and they need me. And so, recognizing that I'm preaching that to everyone here in the sanctuary, we, and also people who are watching uh, later on YouTube on the rebroadcast, re um, but spread the word. Spread the word. Make the invitation. We need each other. That's why we gather as a church. That's why we do church, because we need one another. And finally, the fourth one is a New Year's resolution to hand over the keys of the Savior Mobile. This is a great year to do that. It's a great year to do that. It's a great time of year to do that every year because look at that candle. What is that candle? It's the Christ candle. And it shines bright. And it represents the fact that we have kind of entered into this new, this, this process of waiting for the coming Savior along with those who walked the earth years ago and God delivered on God's promises and the Savior is here. Wait. The Savior is here. I don't need to be the Savior. The Savior is here in this church, in this world, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And so in our relationships, in our church life, we can resolve to not place all the weight on our own shoulders. And this one, I'm not preaching to the choir. <laughs> this one goes to the heart of all those who are here all the time and who may feel weary because it seems like we're, doing, we're needing to do everything with fewer and fewer people, and I'm getting worn out. Like Nikki Gumbel described in the Alpha Course, the church is like, is like a soccer match or a football match if you're from another part of the world. It's 22 people doing all the activity, badly in need of a rest, being watched by 100,000 people who are badly in need of the exercise. Some people call it the 20-80 rule. I think that's being generous, right? It's like 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 80% of the people do 20% of the work. But here's the thing. 
the expectations that we take into that are something that, that I think God is calling us to take a look at. Why do we, why do we feel that we need to save this? Why do we feel we need to pick up a flag and save this one program in the church? There might be a reason, if it's God's reason. But it could be that we, there's something we're just not ready to let go of. And God never meant for it all to be on our shoulders. Remember that Jesus is the Savior. It was never meant Whatever it is, it was never meant to be done just by us. The new year might be a time of fear for some of us. You know, our Hebrews passage addressed fear, addressed the fear of death. That is the way that, that Satan, the enemy of God, gets into our minds. It's through fear. Fear accompanies each test, each challenge, each obstacle. And so some of us, as we look forward to a year, might be struggling with fear. The truth of the gospel is that in the midst of the fears we face, Jesus, our Savior, is able to help. Speaking of those who are carried, that is a great illustration to be carried to the Father. Oh, man, that, that, that just preaches right there. In the midst of the fears we face this coming year, Jesus is able to help. It is he who saves us. It is he who redeems us. It is he who lifts us up. He carries us. In 2023, may we truly know what it means to be carried. Amen. Well, we have the opportunity to give an offering to the Lord, and as we do, uh, 